here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. Hey, 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 welcome back again to the Dharmic Evolution. I've got an old friend coming back to visit today. I'm so excited about this interview because uh, this is one of my earliest interviews and friendships I developed on the Dharmic Evolution. And this lady, she's a Canadian. And who is she? She's a free spirit, a big dreamer, a believer, a creator, a speaker, a writer, a coach, a wine drinker, and chocolate indulger, a searcher, a yearner, a passionate learner an MA grad in communication from the University of Illinois, a BFA grad in theater performance from Ryerson, a yoga teacher, a big musical theater fan, a lover of Gerbera daisies and bubble baths? Are we kidding? A marathon runner, a triathlete, a daughter, a sister, an auntie, a godmother, and a friend and a special friend of the Dharmic Evolution. You better strap up your seatbelts because we're taking a ride today on the Dharmic Evolution by way of Vancouver Island with our dear friend, Canadian Carol Schulte. Carol, we are back once again for the second interview. I'm so happy to have you back on the show. And you know, you're so gracious. You're on vacation and you just allowed us to get together. And I so appreciate that. It is really, tell us where you are, by the way. I am in beautiful Tofino on Vancouver Island in British Columbia. And let me tell you, James, it is gorgeous, but you are worth it. Not a lot of people that I would do this for, but you're <laughs> worth it. And I know that we're gonna have a really rich conversation. So I yeah. look forward to it. That island is incredible. I went, uh, I went camping there. I went um, actually sea kayaking there on a wilderness oh. trip years ago with my son and, uh, and a dear friend. And we were the only Americans and the Canadians taught me something about vacation. And they started talking about, they're all taking like six, seven weeks, and we're going here, and we're going there. And at the time, I was taking, I think, three or four days off a year building my business, which was insane, you know? And so I got a lesson in how to really live life to the fullest, which you are the epitome of that. So tell us, <laughs> tell us what you're doing up there. Um, I know you're, you're physically active, and you're, you're working on your foot that you injured, but, but it doesn't stop you. So first of all, how is the foot? And then what are your physical activities going on? Uh, thank you for, for asking. And first of all, just quickly on that whole vacation thing, I feel like so many of you Americans where, you know, the fact that you don't take any vacation as a badge of honor, and it's so important to enjoy your life. You, you three or four days a year, James, that's not enough. So hopefully <laughs> you your ways. Um, I know you've got some vacation coming out, so that's exciting. See, I'm very fortunate in that I travel a lot for work. I speak in all different places. And so if it's a place where I really like, or if it's a place I want to stay and explore, I tend to tack on a few extra days and do a little bit of work and a little bit of play. So I was speaking in Nanaimo on Friday and I um, just decided to take a few extra days and drive up the coast and spend some time in beautiful, beautiful Vancouver Island doing some surfing and some yoga and some kayaking and biking. And it's been great. Oh, my foot. You asked about my foot. About the foot. Yes. 
So it was actually the last time I was in Tofino in May when I broke my foot and I didn't realize for, for 10 days, actually, I was speaking, I had to travel to London, England and was wearing heels for my keynote. Yes, I was in a lot of pain and it was ballooned and bruised, but I'd never broken a bone before. So I wasn't really sure how it was supposed to feel. So, you know, kept going and finally realized there's really something not quite right here and went to, to my physio thinking that he would give me the okay. I was training for an Ironman at the time and he said, no, no, you can't go to training. You need to go to the hospital and get this x-ray. Anyway, so it turned out I had a broken foot. I've been in aircast for eight weeks, longer than that, actually. Just took it off. So I've been surfing and trying to do light things on it um, because, yeah, I mean, it's hard. A foot you need for everything, and you're on it all the time. So I found it very difficult. Apparently, it's not totally healed yet. It's not totally healing properly, but I can't be into phenol and not surf, James. Right. So yeah, <laughs> trying to take it a little bit easy. <laughs> well, you, you are the girl with the playbook. So first of all, just to recap on the vacation thing, yeah, I um, I think you've got the, the, the playbook that I love. You work on the road so you can have all these wonderful adventures while you're doing your business, which is just fa fantastic. I love that. And yeah, as far as the foot, it must be really... Um, so what kind of governor are you using? Because I know you're so active that you must be like pushing the envelope. I know you. You're pushing the envelope all the time. So what are you doing to keep yourself aware to say, don't re-injure? It's a, it's a good question. So I had follow-up uh, appointments at the fracture clinic at the hospital you know, every, every six weeks. And I actually have one in two days from now. So last time I was there, I said, you know, what, what can I... And what can I, what can't I do? And he said, really use pain as your indication. If things start to get a little painful, then maybe ease up a little bit. Uh, but it was, it was really hard at first because, you know, I said, well, can I re-break it? He said, Carol, it's already broken. So you can't re-break it, but you can prolong healing. And last time I got it checked, it looks like it hasn't been properly healing. So worst case scenario, I, um, I have to get a pin in there and have a little operation. But you bring up a, a, a good point because I think so many of us think that we're invincible. I will certainly admit to that. And even with a broken foot, yes, I was wearing an air cast for a while, but I was still working out like I was limited, but it's hard not to do anything. But unfortunately, if you don't take the break that you need, then injuries prolong or illness prolongs or whatever it is. So I don't know if I'm the, the best person to follow and to listen to on that front, but I will keep you posted. And hopefully <laughs> in two days when I have my appointments, all will well we'll see i love that i love that yeah it's it really is i'm going through the same thing with uh, a little bit of a lower back thing and I, I got you know i'm getting um uh active release technique for it so it's been really good it's healing but i took some pra things out of my yoga practice i will not do any of the bend over and grab your ankles and everybody else is doing it. i just stand straight up and you know i compensate in other ways and you really have to make the supreme effort because getting re-injured is the worst it's like mm -hmm. sets you back so badly. So, uh, you know, congratulations. I'm glad your foot is doing well. I want to talk a little bit about, um, I want folks to understand about what you do and all of the light that you bring to people, especially women, in your speeches, in your programs. And I want to start with Dr. Seuss, <laughs> Dr. Seuss Place, which is on, you got to check out Carol's website. First of all, the website is awesome. It's so well put together. It's so creative and um, it has really awesome content on it. So can you tell people a little bit about how you use the Dr. Seuss metaphor? 
I certainly can. I love it. So uh, Dr. Seuss in his famous book, Oh, the Places You'll Go, which is one of my fave books and actually listed in the top 10 business books of all time. because there's some really cool metaphors in there, but he talks about the waiting place for people just waiting, waiting for a bus to go or a train to come or a plane to go or waiting around for the snow to snow or the phone to ring or the rain to go or waiting around for a yes or no, waiting for their hair to grow. Everyone is just waiting. And there's two types of waiting. The first type of waiting is largely out of our control. The average person over their, the span of their lifetime will spend 693 hours waiting for planes, trains, other forms of transport, um, the equivalent of 22 weeks in line, bank tellers, amusement parks, grocery stores, and six months on hold waiting for our favorite customer service representatives. Now, that's a lot of time waiting. Wow. The second type of waiting is largely in our control and yet far more detrimental. And this is the type of waiting we do when we're waiting to feel good enough waiting to feel ready, waiting for all of our ducks to be in a row, waiting for that perfect moment to magically arrive before we start that thing or take that first step of action. And, you know, let you in on a little secret, the perfect moment is never going to magically arrive and we may never feel ready. We just have to do it. And so I'm very passionate about helping people get out of their comfort zone. I really believe that comfort and growth cannot coexist. And if you're not growing in your life, then you're not ultimately going to feel fulfilled. And more specifically, to get out of your comfort zone and into what I call your brave zone. And that's the place where you're willing to get into action long before you feel ready. And I think when you do that, you start to see above and beyond what you ever thought capable for yourself. You start to feel more alive. You achieve things you never thought possible. And you, you feel so much more fulfilled. Your work matters in a whole new way. And that's where the game of life really gets played. Do you feel that um, more women are... Uh, a little bit reticent to jump into their world of bravery than men, or do you have any kind of research that says that, or is it is it um, is it fifty fifty? Do you think? Well, I certainly think that women and men both have challenges with being brave, but there is a lot of research and studies to show that women even more so have a harder time. And there's a few reasons for this. One, our brains are actually wired very very differently. Um, we have we use 25% more on average of all of our brain than men do, which means we spend a lot more time analyzing and thinking things through, ruminating to the point where we sometimes get stuck in our head and we're not actually able to do anything. But we also are more wired for likability and connection, which in some ways is great because we're really great at building relationships. We're really good at taking care of everyone around else around us. But sometimes we don't want to ruffle feathers and we're so good at people pleasing that we actually don't put ourselves forward or don't think that we're deserving of going after what it is that we want. And there are actually three big, what I call bravery killers. And these are really big for women. And the first is perfectionism. We want everything to be perfect right out of the gates. The second is people pleasing. Again, we put everyone else before us. We care way too much about what people think. And the third is pausing, percolating, or procrastinating, i.e living in that waiting place. And so women really need to work harder to recognize and call themselves out when they are, you know, giving into one of these bravery killers and, and, you know, act in spite of them. They may never go away. But we have to build that awareness and choose to do something differently as a result. Yeah. It's, you know, I wanted to also ask you, um, on the, on the subject of all of the things that you have going on as far as public speaking and everything, coaching, um, 
And is there one particular area that you do professionally that kind of soars above the rest as far as where you feel like you're really, really making a difference or that you just enjoy so much? Is it public speaking? Is it coaching? Is it um, just doing your creative thing, like coming up with the Dr. Seuss thing that was so cool? And all the other things that you have on your website. Uh, Your blogs are fantastic. Your email newsletter is amazing. So you have all these things going on. Is there one in particular that you just kind of salivate and say, I can't wait to get to this one. (laughs) I I have two, actually. One is more personally fulfilling. I will say that speaking, whether or not it's to a group of 20 or 2000, um, there's a huge rush that I get from being able to be in a room with people who you feel are engaged. You can feel that connection, um, who you're touching, who are there with you. The energy that's co-created is pretty magical. And when you're talking about busting through things that are holding people back and really seeing what's possible and giving them tools and strategies. And you sometimes can see that light bulb go off or the aha moments that take place. That's pretty powerful and and something that I will never take for granted and, and really, really live for. I mean, those moments are just incredible. But the second area that I love is when I'm doing physical events with women. So we've done things like axe throwing, skydiving, um, taking a group of women to learn how to surf. Recently, we went to Tanzania and climbed Kilimanjaro. And when you see women physically push back past what they ever thought they could do, the, the confidence and the celebration and you know what they feel and what you can physically see is just pretty incredible. And there have been numerous times where I've been moved to tears to see this one woman who was scared of the water and her goal wasn't necessarily to get up on a surfboard, but just to get her knees up. And, you know, she, she did what the instructor uh, taught her was called the Titanic pose where she extended her arms up as high as possible, screamed at the top of her lungs and rode in this wave on her knees and watching her was just this moment I will never forget. And so being able to see women do things they never thought they could, and then what becomes possible for them after that, that's pretty darn powerful. Yeah, it's it's kind of, you know, you're really at the, um, at the forefront of transforming somebody's life. You know, and, and it, sometimes we just need to be led. Um, it's so much easier, like if you move to a new town, you could take years to find out where everything is where everybody is. But if, you, if it's that one special person who, who takes you out for an afternoon and shows you where everything is, where all, where, who you should be talking to, you know, and you just, they saved you so much time and helped you. And you kind of do that for people in a much, much bigger way, uh, much more profound way. So it's got to wow. be so rewarding to see this develop, you know, it's just, it's just got to be amazing. It's very rewarding. Absolutely. But I have to say, it's not me who is the catalyst for transformation. It's the people themselves. And it's, you know, the luck of us coming together at the right time, the right place, or them being ready. You know, that famous, that famous quote, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And not that I proclaim to be a teacher by any means, but really just a cheerleader. That's what I like to call myself. I'm just a cheerleader when I see women that I know can do more than what they're giving themselves credit for. And I see it time and time again, all these brilliant women, whether or not 
they don't realize what they're capable of in the workplace or whether or not it's, you know, on the field or in the water, I see more. And sometimes you need somebody else to believe in you before you believe in myself. And I know for me, that was the case. Part of the reason why I'm so passionate about the work that I do is because I was that woman. And sometimes I still am, you know, I rely so much on um, other people to tell me that I'm enough. And, you know, you know, my story, but my biggest cheerleader was my mom. And um, there were so many times where I didn't think that I could do what I wanted to do. And luckily I had her and she was my biggest fan and cheerleader. And way back in the day when I was in theater, she was at every opening and every closing of every show I ever did. And then she got sick and unfortunately eventually passed away. Um, And for a long time, I wasn't ready to face life without without that one person who believed in me. I wasn't brave enough to do that. And so a lot of these crazy adventures that I've had to the outside world might seem or appear brave, but actually it was me escaping and hiding because I wasn't ready to, to take on life um, on my own and figure out how to believe in myself. Yeah, so that's you, why I'm passionate about the work, the work that I do. When you got, um, when you realized your mom was really sick and you, you stepped in to help, you know, to care for her and spend those last days or or I don't know how long it was but um the the moments leading up to that did you did you like what was going through your mind did you all of a sudden have this like complete like thought of I just got to go drop everything and go be with her and I'll figure it out later or was it a process of all right I'm gonna figure this out how do I ease into you know being with my mom now too because it's it's kind of a life-changing experience you know, how did that work for you? It, it was, um, and yet it wasn't difficult to, to choose that. So I did move back home and luckily we had a few months together. Um, and if I'm honest at the time, it's not as if my career was really taking off. It was easier for me to sort of take that time because uh, I wasn't acting at the time. I had an agent, so I was still on occasion going for auditions. Really, it was just a glorified server. And so, you know, it took some, some time off for that. But to be honest, James, it was the first time in my life where I felt I was exactly where I needed to be. Yeah. So often I wonder, should I be doing this or should I be doing that? Or would that be better? Or is this going to get me further? And in that moment or at that time, as difficult as it was, I finally didn't feel like I wasn't enough, like I wasn't good enough or tall enough or blonde enough or skinny enough to land the role or get the gig. Like I knew I was exactly where I was supposed to be. And so even though it was the most difficult time of my life, it was also by far the most special. Yeah, I, I, I concur. I had a similar experience. And uh, it was funny because, you know, my mom got sick too. And I, I, I realized after I moved in with her to help her out, because she had dementia really bad. And uh, at one point, um, I was, I think I was supposed to go out with somebody on a date or something. I said, and I just got home and I said, I got to be home at 10 o'clock every night. I'm, I'm taking this off you know, my schedule. So I didn't really think about it too much um, until after I was there for about a year and then she got sick and passed. But um, what happened was you start to really appreciate in such a profound way all of these things that what might be construed as struggles and frustration, but you learn so much about yourself and you learn about the frailty and the mortality of somebody who's in dire need of of just assistance, you know? So it is, it is a way of God blessing us, I think, that we're, we're allowed, because so many people I've talked to say, you know, I never had the chance, she went right away, and I would have given anything to spend time with her. So um, 
I do appreciate, you know, you know, and you also, if you'd want to share the story about the bangles um, and your last vacation, do you feel like sharing that or do you want to talk about something else? No, I can share that briefly. Um, okay. But I just want to commend you and acknowledge you because I don't think I realized that you had lived with your mother for a year. That's very, very noble. And there's a lot of things that you have to change and um, give up, right? And I yeah. and I know our, our moms are so special and maybe, you know, maybe it was a, a no-brainer for you, but the, still the amount of choices and things that you had to, to, to give up in order to make her your world and, and your priority. It's uh, not easy. Not everyone could do it and extremely noble. So I just want to commend and, and applaud you for Thank that. You. Thank you. Um, the, the bangle story. So my, my mom always wore these beautiful set of three bangles. It was a, a gold bracelet. And ever since we were young, I've got two sisters, um, we would always know where my mom was because we could hear the jingle of her bangles. So if we were to get lost in the grocery store, we would always find her with the, the jingle of her bangles. And um, before I would go out on stage, I always knew my mom was in the audience when I could hear her bangles. And so when when she passed away, we were all wondering, okay, well, who's, who's going to get the bangles? Because that was a really a way to feel connected to her. And my father did the most beautiful thing, separated the three bangles, each... Um, that we each had one of her originals and then recreated a set. So we had one that was engraved from my mom's original bracelet and then all had three identical bracelets, which was lovely. And I wore mine every day, every night. Like I did not take those things off. And it's been 13 years, James. It's hard, so hard to believe, but um, really had those with me almost everywhere, except if it was a really physical activity that I would put them in safekeeping. In any event, last month I went down a paddle boarding with some friends and decided for whatever reason that I shouldn't keep them on my wrist. I'll put them in my dry bag because it'll be around my neck. It'll be safer there. And just at this moment, we were coming up to this clearing and saw this beautiful view of the CN Tower. I thought, oh, this is a perfect picture to take of my friends. Um, let me get, take out my, my phone, which is also in my dry bag, to take that, that photo. And as I was opening up my, my dry bag to take out the phone, I got hit from behind without warning and I fell. And my phone fell and the bracelets fell. And the phone fell on the board and the bracelets dropped into the water. And in total shock and denial, I just watched in horror as they dropped below. And I went to go grab them and all of a sudden they were gone. And it was black, like the silt in, in that lake. Um, lake Ontario was just so thick. So I dove under right away, um, was totally panicked, like it just started convulsing, was just just beside myself, could not believe it. Anyway, ended up getting a mask, couldn't find it, ended up renting oxygen tanks, went scuba diving, couldn't find it, got local people on the island to help me with the fire department, had special nets and fins, and um, I bought a high-tech flashlight, I bought a high-tech metal detector from this guy that I had to source outside of the city in this sketchy area, um, finally hired professional diver, and then I hired a team of divers, tried everything, James, and um, couldn't work, couldn't do anything for... Uh, almost two weeks like it was really it was really crazy and it was almost as if I was going through her grief all over again and I know you and some people might think it's just a bracelet Carol it's not her yes but for me it was just my connection to her and so um yeah it Very was important no no I understand completely and uh you know I mean that's 
you know, a testament to your resilience. I mean, you did everything imaginable to, to try to get these back. And, uh, you know, I just commend you for just, I mean, that's amazing that you went that far to, to try to reclaim these things. Um, I want to switch to the latest blog you put out. And if you want to talk about this, um, we don't have to talk about all the details unless you, you want to, but the bungee jumping and your blog and your, um, your speech that you did about, you know, out of your comfort zone, obviously, and pushing yourself to bravery and the reasons why. And, um, and I'm going to put that in the show notes um, so people can pick that up on your website. Um, really, really amazing um, the way you conveyed the information and the story and the way it ended up. It was, it was really beautifully done. So you wanted to share that story with us? Thank you, James. I appreciate it. And thank you for taking the time to watch it. Yeah, so I shared um, a story about what, what it really means to be brave and courageous. And it was for a, a speaking contest. And I don't normally speak to compete. I, um, you know, I love speaking, but it's, I do it for a living and I, I don't necessarily want to want to do it as, uh, for a competition, but because I was scared, that's why I forced myself to do it. And so I thought, okay, I've, I've, there's something, uh, something I can learn here and I want to practice what I preach. So basically I, I opened the story with what may come across as a huge act of courage, which was bungee jumping in my birthday suit. You'll have to watch the, the video. It was a dare. I was with some friends in Greece um, and how it played out. I never in a million years thought that I would do that. But in any event, I did. Wasn't sure what I was more scared of when I was at the top of that crane about to jump. The fact I was about to bungee jump or the fact that I was going to be naked and a whole lot of strangers because we were at this giant pool party in any event. Um, and, and that sort of started my journey in doing a lot of these so-called crazy things. But what I realized is that courage isn't maybe an act of doing, but actually an act of being, uh, being brave enough to be you, especially in a world where, you know, they're trying to make you anything but you. And one of the questions that I ask my audiences and the, the women that I work with is to complete the phrase, if I were braver, I would. And no matter what level or what level of experience or background women have, everybody has an answer for this. So we could all be braver. But I realized I wasn't answering that question myself. So I created my very own If I Were Braver list and shared from the stage pretty vulnerably what was on my list. And, um, you know, I won't, I won't give them all away, but some of them were like I, I have had a lot of great adventures, but I'm single and I'm, you know, pushing mid to late thirties. And, uh, so, you know, I, uh, one of the things I would do if I were braver would to really commit to, to online dating and not be afraid for how it looks to, to be my age and single. Uh, I would freeze my eggs without being scared of the investment or whether or not I was testing or tempting fate or not trusting the timing of my life. Um, you know, so, I would stop comparing. I still compare. I still think I'm not where I want to be, should be, could be. Um, you know, a lot of these things that I talk about are things that I struggle with or have struggled with or, you know, continue to do. And so really I speak in the video about the fact that the biggest act of courage or the biggest act of bravery we could ever do is to be brave enough to be ourselves and know that we are enough exactly as we are right here, right now. We don't need to prove, we don't need to um, try and impress, we don't need external validation from anything or anyone. So, Do you feel yeah. that there's, um, there's a lot of pressure 
on people today, especially with social media and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and, and um, everyone is portraying their best and greatest self, which is oftentimes a mirage. It's just, it's not really, tr it's not really truthful. Um, and uh, it got to the point where it was funny. I wrote this little depression manual. It's like seven steps. It's an, it's an ebook for people to keep in their phone if they're having a bad day. There's a tip for every, every day of the week in there. And it just yeah. so happens when around the time I released it, I had two guests on this show back to back and both suffered from depression. And I did too. I mean, I, I mean, I've battled with it, you know, through the years and I'm, I'm great now. I mean, you'd never know it. Um, but in my earlier days, I really, really had a tough time with it. And it started to occur to me that a lot of people are, you know, keep this like they keep this really quiet. So for you to come out and be so transparent with um, with what you stated in this video is is it gives people so much hope, I think. And, mm -hmm. you know, when I have people come on my show and just reveal something about themselves, um, I think it's just it's wonderful to do that because it's a permission slip for people to come out and say, it's OK to have the conversation now. You can talk about this. You can if you want to heal, you got to start somewhere and you got to start discussing it. Um, but I think the social media is kind of puts, um, especially for the younger people, it puts kind of a handicap on that. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Because as you're, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, it's not real. Uh, there's a great line, you know, don't compare your reality to everybody else's highlight reel, or don't compare your behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reel. And it's so true. We think what we see out there is reality all the time. And it's not. Um, but unfortunately, we compare our day to day to what we see everyone else putting out there, which is always you know, only the best of the best and the happiest times and the most glorious times. And I think that that is absolutely fueling people's sense of self-worth, their self-esteem, um, and, and absolutely causing depression. Now, I, more and more depression. Now, I know often it's a chemical imbalance too. And I think, um, you know, being more exposed now to, to mental health, I was recently diagnosed um, with ADHD and um, a suspected mood disorder as well. And so I'm doing a lot more research and, and discovery into this world of mental health. And I think it's um, very misunderstood in a lot of ways. And I think we need to, to, to share and talk more about it. But I think, unfortunately, people spend so much time online. And there's research and studies to prove that the more time people spend online and on social media, the more and more depressed and negative and sad they feel. But it's this vicious cycle. It's like this drug that they're addicted to. And it's it's awful. We have to, we have to stop it. Now I, I will say that any, I'm not on social media very much at all. And I need to get more active on it because I know it's a great way to reach more people and to have more impact and to build your business. But, um, I don't enjoy it. I really don't because right. I don't know how authentic it is. I love live or as live as it can get. I mean, this is, this is pretty live, but, um, face to face, real conversation with real people. And I know it's possible to touch a lot of people. It's just not where I want to live. Yeah, it's it. I had this young girl who was on. She's a Christian artist. She was she was great, and she she came. She was almost crying, telling me she doesn't know what to do because her parents are pressuring her, and like, you know, she has it in her mind that she has to make it. Like, and and making it is like it's it's such a you know it's it's a shapeshifter. It's not real. It's like you have to decide in your career what you want. First of all, is what is the career. 
And if you're thinking that it's like tons of money and fame and fortune and all these other things, that has nothing to do with singing and songwriting. It, it shouldn't, you know? I mean, you, there's a lot of ways to sustain. So I think a lot of young kids are getting tripped up by the fact that they think that to be successful, um, they have to have uh, 50, 100,000 Instagram followers, and then I'm, I'm successful. So, so it's something, I, I'm just, I just like to keep the conversations about this going rhetorically. I don't have any solutions other than, yeah, like I've been, I've been in my new place for two and a half weeks, and I still haven't set up the TV. It's like I'm nowhere. <laughs> I don't watch it. It's like the last thing that'll go up, you know, to, to do videos. But, but well, um, I, I love, I love that, and I think that that means that you know you're, yeah. I mean, you're reading. You're you know, there's so much like you like to you like to read. Um, there's so much out there. There's so much. Um, just wonderful content like you go to a lot of seminars and a lot of places like where real things happen and real discussions happen and you can find those in the pages of a book but if you're on like sitcom tv every night and whatever all that stuff is it's it just it's really bad hey i want to ask um to just to turn things a little bit i want to ask you about your travel because i think it's so exciting for those out there who love to travel and carol you are the master masters <laughs> of travel um Tell us about some of your experiences. And I know there's probably a good and bad to it. You know, it can be frustrating getting stuck in airports and all that. But on the whole, you seem to really enjoy it, like going to all these places and meeting all these people. So can you share some of um, some of your highlight reel of some of the places you've been and how it's, how it's helped shape not only you with your business, but you personally? Absolutely. A hard question to answer because every experience is different and unique and special. Um, I will say one of the biggest things that makes my travel experiences are the people that I meet, for sure. And so at different stages and, you know, when you go for different reasons, you meet people in different ways. But when I um, lived for nine months in Thailand, I volunteered at an HIV positive orphanage for babies and children. And the locals that I met, I learned Thai. Um, so I met a lot of the locals and also the volunteers from all over the place. And I'm still in touch with some of them today. Um, that was really, really special because, you know, working with the kids and meeting the people and really immersing myself in that culture was really neat. Um, I had an amazing time when I was in India, living in an ashram, pressing intense yoga meditation, probably the first time in my life where I actually got quiet. And again, met some, met some travelers there, although I was kind of inward at that point. Um, Places in South America are beautiful, uh, Colombia, Argentina, Chile. I think the more you see, the more you realize there is to see, which makes it so, so tough because you just want to keep seeing all. But I think there's so many places that are underrated and underestimated. I lived in Germany for a year, for instance, and I think people think about certain things when they think about Germany and the landscape and the land and um, what you can see. It is just so beautiful and the lifestyle too everything is closed on a sunday everything and you're not allowed to wash your cars you're not allowed to do any kind of household work or chores sunday is a day to relax to spend time with your family literally everybody goes out walking in the woods and then you have coffee and cake um, and even the smallest towns and the big cities things are not open on Sunday. So that. that was an incredible experience. Yeah. yeah. We could learn a thing or two from, yes. from them. Yeah. Um, New Zealand was beautiful. The landscape, the people, again, there's more sheep than people. It's just a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> island. I like um, that. 
Yeah, yeah. And then so many places in Europe that I've had the, the um, you know, fortune of, of seeing and experiencing the architecture is incredible. And, and again, the lifestyle, like people, there's a lot of coffee shops that don't have to-go cups. They don't have to-go cups. Yeah. There's no drive-throughs. Um, you know, if you want a cup of coffee, you sit there and you enjoy your cup of coffee and that's what it's supposed to be about. And so I think it really allows you to be present and to see what's around and to be in the moment. Um, and I think that's a big thing that travel allows me to do. It's sort of an escape from the day-to-day and not that it's good to have to escape from your day-to-day, but when I travel, I really... I have different, a different set of eyes. I'm so curious. And actually I talk in my, um, my book about the fact that sometimes we need to, you know, have new experiences in our own life. Not everybody is able to travel all the time. And so how can you take that vacation or travel mindset into your day to day? And how can you be curious and take a new way to work or, um, you know, play tourist for a day or do something a little bit different that allows you to have that, that same kind of view, because, you know, when I, when I travel, I do try and bring this into my, um, my daily life, although it's harder, everything is new and everything is exciting. And you want to say hello to everyone, explore everything. And, you know, it's just, everything is so fascinating. And you're, for me at least, really easy to just be in the moment and be open to everything. And I think we need to really adopt that all the time because there's magic that can happen anywhere, regardless of whether or not it's on your street or in your building or, um, you know, the next city over or on another continent, if you're prepared to be open and be willing to connect with other people too. Do you feel that, um, I know you had mentioned, I think you mentioned this in your, in your latest blog video that you were escaping, uh, as you know, travel was sort of a way of escaping and just, you know, I'm doing all these things and I'm keeping really busy, but I get the feeling that that has changed, that you, um, you are looking like your travel is, you're seeing it with more wisdom now, with perhaps with more, um, more purpose than, I, I mean, the purpose is obviously you're, you're doing your work, but it's no longer just escaping. That's the feeling I get. Is that correct? Yeah, yes. Yeah, I think you are correct. I'm far more aware now. Um, the years that I was traveling quite a lot and living abroad was after my mom when, again, I was I was escaping because I wasn't brave enough to face life without her. Right. And now I travel more for work purposes, absolutely, or when I have events that I'm going to. Um, but knowing that I, I, I actually really want to, to start to be more settled in one place because... It's fun and exciting to keep going and try here, there, and everywhere. But I'm realizing that it's not actually creating the life that I that I want. I will always love traveling, and I do want to continue to do that. But if you're always constantly moving from one place to another, it's hard to really build a home base and settle. And you know, if I'm honest, I want to find my partner. I want to build a family, and um, ideally, you want to do that in one place, or at least be in one place long enough that you can find that person. So that's sort of where I'm at now. Do you feel like that'll be oh Canada? Will it be Toronto? Where will it be? Great question. Um, the last long-term relations that I've had, I've all met in various places in Spain and, and New Zealand, Germany. So, um, and then they've moved back to Canada. It's never worked. So maybe I need to find somebody in Canada. I don't know. But Toronto, I'm not sure. I love Toronto. It's a big city. There's a lot of stuff happening. I don't know if it's my forever home, 
to yeah. be honest. Right. I love the West Coast. There's really something special. I grew up in Vancouver, so I wouldn't be surprised if I ended up back here. Yeah, Vancouver is magnificent. It just takes your breath away. I remember coming in on the plane. We got this little puddle jumper, you know, and it's just coming out of the clouds. It was just like it. It literally just took your breath away. It was so gorgeous. I think. I think. Um, That'll all work itself out because, um, like, you're ready, you know, you're ready for that, that magical re relationship. And it, however it'll manifest, it will work out, you know, geographically and every other way, I'm sure. So, so. looking out, Carol, um, at the rest of this year and, like, all next year, what are your, besides your personal um, wish that you just put out there for the Lord to hear and bless... And I will pray for you on that. Um, I, what else are you looking forward to as far as the travel, the business, all the different things that you do, your blogs, Sensational, all of these things? Um, what do you have like on your radar as far as as you're looking out the next six months, 18 months? Um, what are you looking forward to the most? Well, uh, finally finishing my book. So I am working on my book. One of the things I was doing out here at West was to be writing. Um, haven't done as much as I intended, but that's okay. Um, but I really want to complete my book in the next six months and, and get that out there for the world. And then I'm also launching in October a new Brave Leader program, which is um, a combination of a lot of the work that I've been doing, personal and professional development, but mixed with experiential activities, but in a smaller cohort. So only 12 women, and we work together and connect over the span of six months, meeting regularly to talk about all the different areas that make up brave leadership, what that looks like, uh, both personally and professionally, and then landing that uh, that transformation in physical, um, you know, physical events, getting us out of our comfort zone. So some pretty exciting things happening there, and I'm really excited about that. The girl who never sits still, so busy, <laughs> just love it. I love all that you're doing. I just, it's so. Um, for me personally, it's just been wonderful to watch you with the, the career that you've built. And, you know, we've known each other about three and a half years. And and I just love being the voyeur, watching this and watching it blossom like a beautiful flower. It's really awesome. So I want to just thank you so much for coming on the Dharmic Evolution. And uh, may all God's blessings go with you, Carol. Thank you, James. I, I always enjoy your conversations. You're such an incredible conversationalist and interviewer. Thank you. We covered a lot of ground today, Carol and I. Dr. Seuss, oh, the places. Comfort and growth cannot coexist. We spoke about blogs. Get in your brave soon. Bereavement and the challenges and heartbreak of loss. Triathlete, yogi, being braver. The number one cause of not stepping in and living big. The brave leader. Voice, inspiration, theater, blogs, travel, and playing full out. And if that's something you would like to do with your life, playing full out, that's what Carol teaches. Go to carolschulte.com. Look at all of the wonderful content she has up on her website. And um, I can promise you, you will be intrigued. Thank you for supporting Carol on the Dharmic Evolution today and all the other artists that come on this show. And if you have not yet gone to the Dharmic Evolution Facebook community page, we put it up there for you, singers, songwriters, authors, speakers, thought leaders, for you to post your content to the world. Show everybody what you're doing. 
post it on there. And even if you are not one of the people I just mentioned, if you're just a fan and want to see somebody who intrigues you and support them, we welcome you. Um, please just be, um, be respectful. And there's very few rules. No politics, no bad language, no bad behavior. That's it. Have fun. Also, please check out our brand new website, dharmicevolution.com. Uh, it's really slamming. We've got a brand new player up there. We've got all the platforms that you enjoy, which is Spotify and Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, all of them are on there. So whatever you like, please subscribe to this channel. Leave us a comment on the blog and let us know what you're thinking. Are you digging the show? Would you like something different? Do you like the comedy stuff? Do you like um, the interviews better? Do you like the spiritual side? Um, we've got a lot of different looks in this show, and we try to pay attention to all of them. Just a quick shout out to my new tribe who have all signed up for the Depression Fighters Manual that I put out on my Facebook page. Thank you so much for joining us, and if you want a copy of that, just go to uh, James Kevin O'Connor Music Facebook page. You can download it for free there and send it to somebody you love who needs this information. That's a wrap for me today. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor, singer, songwriter, audio, video artist, and master storyteller. Until the next time, when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage.